The Old Testament lesson that is appointed for Holy Trinity Sunday is from the book of Genesis, the first chapter, as it reminds us that God is our creator. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. And God said, Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse, and it was so. And God called the expanse heaven, and there was evening, and there was morning, the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, planting, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which there is seed, each according to its kind, on the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which there is seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. And so God created the great sea creatures, and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. 
male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed and its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life, I have given every tree plant for food, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day, and he made it holy, because on it God rested from all of his work that he had done in creation. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for this morning's message is from the Old Testament lesson for Holy Trinity Sunday, specifically verses 26 and 27 from Genesis chapter 1. I read again, this time reading from the New International Version. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. This is our text. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Well, it's Holy Trinity Sunday, and I had really hoped as I was preparing for this service that we would be able to just kind of spend our time reflecting on the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the majesty of one God. I was hoping and looking forward to being able to sing some of those beautiful hymns that we have sung, Holy, 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 and Holy God, we praise thy name. But unfortunately, we live in this world. And who of us hasn't been distraught and disturbed by the blatant disregard and disrespect for human life that we have witnessed as we have watched the brutality take place in the streets of our nation? as we have seen the destruction of human life and personal property. Who of us has not been disturbed when we've seen the rampant and unbridled lawlessness and the hatred spewed on social media and television? Now maybe we shouldn't be surprised 
For we live in a society that kills the most vulnerable in the womb and advocates for the assisted death of the elderly. It appears to me that we have forgotten a basic truth of humanity. All people, yes, all people, are created in the image of God. We are conceived and we're born with an inherent dignity that ultimately serves as the reason why we value ourselves and other people. And it serves as the basis for why we treat others with respect and fairness and justice. Our intrinsic value rests upon whose we are and whose is God himself. God is the one who has knit us together and formed us to be the people that we are while we are in our mother's womb. And just as we possess and reflect the characteristics of our birth parent, so we possess and we reflect the traits of our creator. Love, grace, goodness, kindness, righteousness, respect, unity. These are all traits of God, and I could name others. And these are also traits that we bear and that we possess and have. You see, we bear the fingerprints of the divine maker, for we are all created in his image. Today, we celebrate Holy Trinity Sunday. And as Christians, we confess that we believe in one God, yet three distinct persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There isn't a hierarchy of persons in the Godhead. There's no rivalry of persons. There's no one person of the Trinity that was before or after the other. There's none that is greater or lesser than the other. The three persons of the Holy Trinity are co-eternal with each other and they're co-equal with one another. Each person of the Trinity is ascribed a different name and responsibility. The Father is the Creator. The Son is the Savior. The Holy Spirit is the Sanctifier. But there's not three gods. There's only one God. And so despite the diversity of the three persons of the Trinity, they're unified in being and in purpose. Now, I realize that I just laid on you a lot of heavy, abstract theology. But I can't help but think that human beings, being created in the image of God, reflect this unity in the diversity of our own lives. For example, in our text, it tells us that God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. Males and females are created in the image of God. And yet we know that males and females, men and women, are quite distinct and different from one another. And yet God says that when these two unique people, when a man and a woman, who both reflect the image of God, when they come together as husband and wife, they're united 
as one. Distinct, but equal. Now let's carry this analogy a little further to address different races. There are many cultures, there are many peoples. Each is unique and distinct from one another. And yet we all share common traits. For we're all created in the image of God. And that means that there's no one race that is greater or lesser than the other. There's no hierarchy of races. Or at least there's not supposed to be. There is in fact something beautiful and even divine about the diversity because the differences that we experience because of different races enables us to see God from different angles and different perspectives. I believe that it was God's intention for humankind who bears his image to reflect this unity, this oneness in our relationship with one another. And I base this on the fact that as we look forward to the end of time, what do we see? We see that in the glories of life everlasting that people of every nation, tribe, and language are pictured as one in the glories of eternity as they worship the Lamb. We see that there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things will have passed away. Yes, the old order will have passed away and a new order that reflects life and relationships before the fall will begin. And men and women will have the image of God restored perfectly in them. The old order. Oh, the devil loves to sow seeds of discord and conflict. As we read on in Genesis, Genesis chapter 3, we see that this unity between man and woman, husband and wife, comes to an abrupt halt, ending when Adam and Eve believe the lie of Satan and disobey their creator because they desire to be like God. In fact, they desire to be God. And the tragic consequence is that they're no longer the perfect reflection of God's image. One of the sad realities of the fall is that women will desire to rule over their husbands, or the wife will desire to rule over her husband, but the husband will rule over her. This is not the way that God intended for man and women, husband and wife, to relate to one another. But unfortunately, after the fall, there's this constant tension between men and women. In the old order, women and men battle with one another. In the old order, Cain kills his brother Abel. In the old order, Jacob steals the birthright of his brother Esau. In the old order, Joseph is sold into slavery by his jealous brothers. In the old order, nations fight against nations. In the old order, there's aggression and there's pride and there's prejudice. In the old order, it's, it's you live by the rule, the survivors of the fittest. As one person said, we are fallen creatures, so the image of God is marred in us. Speech becomes lies. Dominion becomes tyranny. 
Love becomes lust. And even flesh becomes ugly and ultimately grotesque in its mortality. I think it's telling that when we read in Genesis chapter 5, verse 3, that Adam and Eve gave birth to a son named Seth, that is said that Seth was created, was born in Adam's own likeness, in his own image. In other words, Seth no longer perfectly reflected the image of God. Well, having said that, though, it is to be noted that after the great flood, the flood that had destroyed all of humanity except for Noah and his family, that God reaffirms to Noah that all people are still created in God's image. Yes, even in our fallen state, vestiges of being created in God's image remain. Now, truth be told, there's only one person who is the perfect image, the perfect image bearer of God, who is a perfect representation of God, and that one person is Jesus Christ. The Bible says the Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. It says in the Bible that in Christ, all the fullness of the deity dwells in bodily form. It says in John chapter 1 that no one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship to the Father. He has made him known. And so as we look at this one person who is the exact representation of God, what do we see about humanity? Of what it means to be human, to be an image bearer, of God. Well, we see that in Jesus Christ that he values all people. He serves all, irrespective of their nationality, whether they're a Roman centurion, whether they're a Canaanite or a Samaritan, whether they're a Jew, whether they're rich or poor, whether they're a sinner or self-righteous. It doesn't matter. Jesus comes and he serves all. And not only does he come to serve all, but he comes to die for all people. No distinction. Even while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He died not just for the Jew. He died not just for the Gentile. He died for all. For God so loved the world, all the nations, all the peoples of the earth, that he sent his only begotten son. And so what does this mean for us? Well, it means that we, even in our fallen nature, are created in God's image. We don't perfectly reflect that image any longer, but we're still all created in his image. And as a result, have an inherent goodness or an inherent dignity because of this. As Max Lucado writes, sin has distorted this image, but it has not destroyed it. Our moral purity has been tainted. Our intellect is polluted by foolish ideas. We have fallen prey to the potion of self-promotion rather than God-promotion. The image of God is sometimes difficult to discern. 
But do not think for a moment that God has rescinded his promise or altered his plan. He still creates people to he still creates people in his image to bear his likeness and to reflect his glory. And so we yes you and I are created in God's image. And so are all the other people of this world. And we are of infinite value and worth to the God who created us. We are of infinite value and worth to the Savior who died for us. And it's these truths that serve as a basis for us to respect ourselves and to respect others. To be civil toward one another. I mean, when you look at another person, who do you see? Do you see a person created in the image of God? Do you see a person who is of infinite value and worth to the Lord? Do you see a person for whom Christ Jesus died? Do you see a person for whom God desires an eternal relationship? If we are to take a knee, if we are to kneel before anyone, maybe it would be first wise for us to kneel before our Creator. The psalmist writes, O come, Let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. St. Paul writes, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Yes, maybe it would be wise for us to kneel before the Lord, our Maker. Maybe it would be wise for us to kneel before the Lord, our Savior, For we're told that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And as we kneel before our Maker, as we bow before our Savior, we would be wise to confess, to confess our own sin of prejudice. You see, as we strive to reflect God's image in our lives, especially as we want to relate to other people, it's essential that we identify and admit that we have our own prejudices that are deeply rooted in our sinful heart. No one is excluded. Prejudice that's in our heart is born from our rebellion against God and our unwillingness to live within His boundaries to accept His authority and His dominance in our life. It's instead saying to God, I'm going to live life my way according to my own rules. And so we live lawlessly, while we tend to live by our own self-determined laws, which is often nothing more than an expression of idolatry. Yes, we would be wise to confess our own sin of prejudice, our own feelings of ethnocentrism, 
to seek God for his forgiveness. Christ died for all. He died for you and he died for me. He died for those sins of prejudice. He died for all our racist attitudes. He died for our every sin. And in him there is forgiveness. In him there is reconciliation with our God. In him there is an opportunity for us to be renewed and refreshed and restored in our image, in the image of God. In him we are able to extend his love and his forgiveness to one another, to be peacemakers. For you see, as God's forgiven people, as people who have been baptized by the Spirit, which takes me back to last week's sermon, we are being daily renewed in the knowledge of the image of our Creator. Yes, we're being renewed daily in the image of the knowledge of our Creator. It's a progressive work, but as the Holy Spirit works in our life, as we spend time in prayer talking with our God, when we spend time in His Word and the Spirit is able to shape and mold us, as we spend time understanding God's justice and God's grace and God's forgiveness and God's unity, God has a way of changing us, of molding us into the people who we are in Christ Jesus. And it's interesting to note that the restored image of God that emerges in us looks a lot like Jesus. We begin to look a lot like Jesus when the Holy Spirit is working in our hearts. For then we love others as Christ loves us. Then we forgive others as Christ forgives us. Then we serve others as Christ serves us. We live and relate to other people with no distinction. For, for Jesus himself showed no distinction towards others, but came and served all and died for all. And so as we look at the new self that the Holy Spirit is working on us, what does that look like? What does it look like for us to be restored in the image of God. Well, it looks like Peter in Acts chapter 10 when he says, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but he accepts every nation, or he accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. Sure, there's Jew and Gentile. Sure, there's different races and languages and peoples. But in God's eyes, there's no distinction for Christ came to die for all. What does this new self look like? It, well, it's not just that we accept people of every land and race, but it also looks like the Samaritan who helps his neighbor who's been beaten and left for dead. It looks like the one who acts justly and loves mercy and walks humbly with God. It looks like one who feeds the hungry and gives drink to the thirsty and who helps clothe the naked and who comforts the sick and who visits the person in prison it looks like the person who's kind and helpful to the least among us. It looks like a person of faith who manifests their faith through their works, through their good deeds, through their attitudes and their behaviors as they love their neighbor even as they love themselves. St. James writes, if one of you says to him, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is that? 
in the same way faith by itself, it's not accompanied by action, is dead. And so we who live in faith, we who live in the forgiveness and love of God, we who are created in the image of God and who are being renewed in that image of God and who know that in the end of time that, we, that image will be fully restored in us, we go out into the world to be ambassadors of Christ, to be peacemakers, to share his love through our words and deeds. Again, I reference back to Max Lucado. I share with you his words. He says, you are God's idea, God's child, created in God's image. Would you let this truth find its way into your heart? You were conceived by God before you were conceived by your parents. You were loved in heaven before you were known on earth. You aren't an accident. You aren't a random fluke of genetics or evolution. You aren't defined by the number of pounds you weigh, the followers you have, the car you drive, or the clothes you wear. CEO or unemployed? Doesn't matter. Hot list or not list? Doesn't matter. Blue-blooded or orphaned? Doesn't matter. High IQ or low standing? Doesn't matter. First string or cut from the squad? Doesn't matter. He continues, you are being made into God's image. Print that on your resume. You are a diamond, a rose, and a jewel purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. In the eyes of God, you are worth dying for. Would you let this truth define the way that you see yourself? And would you let this truth define the way that you see other people? Every person you see was created by God to bear his image and deserves to be treated with dignity and respect. This means all people deserve to be seen for who they are, image bearers of God. And Locato continues. Imagine the impact this promise would have on the society that embraced it. What civility it would engender. What kindness it would foster. Racism will not flourish when people believe their neighbors bear God's image. The fire of feuds will have no fuel when people believe their adversaries are, good, are God's idea. Will a man abuse a woman? Not if he believes that she bears the stamp of God. Will a boss neglect an employee? Not if she believes the employee bears the divine spark. Will society write off the indignant, the mentally ill, the inmate on death row, or the refugee? Not if we believe. Not if we truly believe that every human being is God's idea. And he has no bad ideas. Dear friends in Christ, we are all image bearers of God. And we who live in Christ's love and forgiveness are having that image restored in us. And as I said before, we look forward to that day when we'll be received in the glories of life everlasting and that image will be completely restored in us. But God sends us out into a broken and divided and conflicted world not to add more fuel to the fire, but instead to go as peacemakers, 
to share the love and the forgiveness of Christ by respecting others, by listening to others, by respecting the property of others, by praying for others, but most importantly, by sharing the love of Christ in our words and our deeds. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.